0: Hi, and welcome to the Radius Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're interested in finding out more information about Radius Church, please check us out on our website, radiuschurch.tv. I was reading an article, some of you might remember it. Uh, in fact, it was on the national news of all things. In 2013, there was a California-based couple. They were taking their dog on a walk, and, and while they were walking, they seen a little bit of a like a tin can sticking up through the ground. And so they decided, well, somebody's going to step on that, so they dug around it, only to find the can was stuffed with rare coins. <laughs> and so then they decided, let's look for some more cans. How many know that's a wise couple, right? It was on their property, so they started searching some more. And they, felt they, they found a number of other cans, uh, several more. I don't remember how many more. But every can was filled with coins, and they were rare coins. Matter of fact, the coins were minted from 1847 to 1894. Now, at face value, all those coins added up for what their face value was, was about $27,000. Now, how many know that's a good payday for taking your dog for a walk, right? Some of you are like, I would pay my spouse that much if they would take the dog for the walk, but, but so the face value was twenty-seven thousand. But some of the coins were so rare that they averaged out. All the coins averaged out in auction at about one million dollars a piece. How many of you want to leave right now and go take your dog on a walk, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, everybody. My motive in this series, and here's where I want you to lean into this. My motive for this mini series is to help you find treasure. I purposely named it Treasure Hunter. But what I didn't do last week that I will do today is I wanted to find the word treasure. Because when I talk about treasure hunting, most of us immediately go to the subject of finances. And I do recognize that this little series has been about finances. But the definition that I'd like to kind of work with today and at least be our framework to work within, the definition for treasure is the word strength. If you look it up, not even in a Bible dictionary, but if you work, look up the word treasure, one of the definitions for the word treasure is strength. So I want you to find strength, not just strength in your spiritual walk, but how many wouldn't mind a little more strength in your financial world, right, everyone? And so that's my desire, and please know this. This series has really nothing to do with us trying to get something from you. Um, I'm not trying to get anything from you. It's not make or break. Really, this isn't even about the building we're purchasing. It's really not about any of that. But it's really about our spiritual walk and our spiritual development. And and somewhere in our walk, we have to cross the bridge of finances. Am I going to trust God in all the areas except that area? Or it shows a lot about our spiritual maturity when we decide to consider how our finances and our relationship with God line up. And maybe today you would say, Ken, but I'm not there yet. (laughs) Somewhere in the journey, I understand I'm going to have to deal with that. Somewhere a few steps down the path, but I'm not there yet. And so for those of you that aren't there yet, I just want to say, relax, it's okay. You don't have to be there today. I just want to give you some information that you can fold up, put in your pocket, and use for the day that you do get there. So everybody feeling a little better now? Just breathe easy, everybody, all right? And and, and let me also say this: this is not a heaven or hell issue. This is not like, man, I'm not doing that. And now I feel condemned and God doesn't love me. Not at all. This is not a heaven or hell issue. And so let me say this, God is providing for Radius. So this message isn't about Radius trying to get more stuff at all. God is providing for Radius because you have been an extremely generous church. Come on. Why don't you just give yourself a good hand so you can relax a little bit, all right, everyone? Um, You've been a very generous church. As a matter of fact, some of the things we're doing as a church that really hasn't officially reached our five-year anniversary is absolutely incredible. What God is doing, God is faithful, and you are faithful. And how many know that makes for a winning situation, right, everyone? Come on now, and. Uh, but I, and I want Radius to be known in our community as a generous people or a generous church. We're finally starting to turn the page. Those of you that were out here at Serve Day, we had community leaders coming to our event and setting up their booths because they are now recognizing that Radius is not in our community to take something from the community. Come on. Radius is here to bring something to our community, right, everybody? We want to be part of the solution. Come on, everyone. And so I want us to be known as a generous people. And that's why we go out every Saturday. That's why we go out and bring blessing bags. That's why we do backpack drives. That's why we had, we had, I don't know how many we have now. That's, how, that's why we had 2,000 pair of shoes in our store warehouse. Um, that's why we give shoes to the homeless and all of those things. Because I want us as a church to show the love of Christ and earn the right To share the love of Christ. Amen? we got enough preachers. I know, that sounds bad as a preacher saying that. Well, I'm glad you didn't amen on that. Yeah, we do. Okay, so we got enough preachers. But what we need are bodies of Christ knowing what it is to be generous. Matter of fact, Jesus himself is the one that said in Acts chapter number 20, verse number 35, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. How many have received, you've been on the giving end, and you've been on the giving end, you've been on both ends, and isn't it true? It feels a whole lot better to be the one that can bless than the one that is there needing to be blessed. You see, the foundation of Christianity is giving. Now hold on before you jump to a conclusion on that. The foundation, I mean the very basis of Christianity is all about giving. But it's not about us giving, it's about that God first gave. For God so loved the world that He, come on, that He gave. And, and the reality is, is every one of us are sitting here somewhere in our spiritual journey, whether you're, a, you're not in the spiritual journey yet, but you're here searching, or, or whether you've been on the spiritual journey for a long time. All of us are here in this place in our spiritual journey, because someone along the way gave. Someone somewhere gave. Someone gave so you could sit in the black chair that you're in. Someone gave so that we could have the speakers that you can hear. Someone gave that those that are listening online this morning could hear. So we are all here as a result of a community of believers. Matter of fact, when we were still in the coffee shop, we weren't even a church yet. We'd been doing a Bible study in the coffee shop. And our very first trustee, he's gone on to be with Jesus, Lynn uh, Balzer, he said to me, he said, Ken, we got to take an offering. I said, no, we're not going to take an offering. Um, it, first of all, we're not even a church yet, and I couldn't even justify that. He said, well then, uh, let's, let's receive an offering and give it away. And that's where our legacy offering was birthed. And so we received our very first offering in a coffee shop, and it was $17,000, everybody, with about 80 people in a coffee shop. And we took that $17,000, and that's how we launched where we have become today. See, healthy relationships, um, they have a rhythm to them. And uh, they, they have a rhythm, I call it take and give, or a rhythm of consume, but then contribute. And consume and contribute and consume. And, 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 and if that rhythm isn't there, then one side of that equation will eventually grow bankrupt. Come on, I could be preaching about marriage right now, right? If one person is always taking and never giving back, then the other person or the other party will become bankrupt. I I call it tag, take and give. It's okay to take. I want you to come here and take. I want you to sit here and I want you to take, 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 because we're not trying to get anything from you. But eventually in your spiritual walk, there has to be a consideration of what can I contribute back. That's what makes healthy community. right everybody come on anybody raise kids here let me see your hands if you raise kids you had babies in your home Um, it was fine for that baby to be a consumer wasn't it you didn't expect anything more from them they wake you up at one o'clock in the morning what do they do consume Uh, they sit at the table what do they do consume 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 right come on you guys remember the days right all they do is consume but eventually in their maturity it's okay that they still consume but it's weird when you're 20 years old and you're still only consuming, right? It's like, I don't mind giving the baby a bottle, but what I mind is having to part the beard to get the bottle in their mouth. You know what I'm saying, right, everyone? So there has to be a place in where you would look at that baby and go, that baby is deformed or not functioning correct. If that baby doesn't move somewhere out of... Consuming to being able to also contribute to the health of the family. Come on, everybody, right? Luke chapter number six, this verse is primarily about forgiveness. Um, It most of the time gets used on finances, and while it does relate to finances, the reason it was written was about forgiveness. But how many are glad that the Bible has, sometimes we read something and it brings different meanings to us. This verse has been used a lot, and it does relate to money. Luke chapter number 6, verse number 38, it says this, give and it will be given. This is Jesus speaking here, by the way, give and it will be given to you. For with the same or with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That's why the Bible says that we have to be generous. If we're, if we're going to be refreshed, we have to refresh others. If we're going to receive, we have to contribute. Come on, right, everyone? So Jesus himself said, give, and it will be given. Now, here's where I want to turn this into a little bit more practical. So, okay, you're sitting there going, okay, so if I give, what do I get back? Because that's how Americans think. How many know what I'm talking about, right? What what do I get out of the deal? So here's what I wanted to do today. I, I sat down when I was writing this and I wrote about twelve without even thinking real hard. I'm not gonna give you twelve. I'm gonna try to give you five. And these are five benefits of being a generous person or being somebody that doesn't only consume but also contributes. Now you can relate this message to finances, but you can also just relate it to your general attitude in life of being a generous person. How many know it doesn't cost anything to give encouragement? How many know it doesn't cost anything to give a compliment? Come on. How many know it doesn't cost anything to give your pastor an amen? amen. Uh, just making sure. All right. Just wanted to make sure. So, so let me just give you five benefits. This, this, is, this is for you. These are the five benefits of being a generous person. Let's look at them. Number one these were for me but i think you'll be able to relate to some of them number 1 for me giving helps me to become more like god now i didn't say i'm i'm going to be a god but as a child of my father somewhere in my development you ought to be able to look at me and go he looks like his dad when I first moved here, I didn't start having a relationship with my dad until I was 40 years old. And I had a bunch of half-brothers and sisters that I met. And, and they, they would say, man, it just freaks me out how much you act just like dad. You eat your sandwich like dad. When, when you ask a question, you have that squinty eye look at us like dad. Sometimes I'm nervous around you because you act like dad. I didn't grow up with dad, but I had the traits because I was his son. Come on now. And giving helps me develop the traits that look more like my Father, my Heavenly Father. Right, everyone? Uh, as, so as God's children, we should show that we belong to the Father. We cannot be born again and He's our Father and be stingy. God wasn't stingy. Come on, everybody, right? In fact, how many know a picture's worth a thousand words? So let me just show you a little home video that was made. Carmen shot this video. And if this doesn't show you that a son or a daughter mimics their father, then I give up, all right? Check it out. Here's Jake and Kenny. I mean, no, she's not even trying to do that, right? she is just being like her father. Ladies and gentlemen, are we being like our father? God is a giver. God so loved the world that he gave. Come on, everyone. The motivation behind giving should always be love. It should never be manipulation. It should never be sad music with puppy dog pictures. It should never be we have to pay bills at the church. It should never be that. The motivation for being generous should always be our love For God. Come on, everybody, right? See, here's what I know in life. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. There's just something about it. The other day, our whole family, we were supposed to go see uh, Hamilton down in Seattle, and we all had tickets, and our child care, uh, Kenny was going to go to a babysitter, and at the last minute, the child provider couldn't do it, and so I volunteered, I'll stay home with Kenny, because I never really, you know, when, when Kenny's Mimi's around, and when her mom and dad are around, I'm like second rate, so I thought, here's my chance to be the hero. I'm going to spend the whole day with Kenny, and so I asked her, first of all, what do you want to do? I want to go see puppies, so we got in the car, and I took her to see puppies, and, and then I said, well, what do you want for lunch? I want pan. So I took her to IHOP to get pancakes. Uh, What kind of syrup do you want? I want all of them. So we had every flavor uh, of syrup on the whole thing. Then I said, what do you want to do? I want to go to Target. What do you want to go to Target for? I want to buy a truck. Okay. That's a girl after my own heart. So we went to Target. She looked at the dump trucks, the tow trucks, the every truck there was. And so I asked her if she wanted this one truck. She said, yes. I put it in the basket. I said, do you want this truck? She said, yes. I put it in the basket. I said, do you like this truck too? Yeah. I put that one in the basket. We left Target with four trucks, everybody. Now, before you get it bent out of shape, they were only $6.99 apiece, okay? Pop up the big spender here, all right? But, but my point is, it was motivated by how much I love this little girl. See, you cannot love without having something in you that says, I need to be generous to those that are less fortunate. Come on, because we are... All God's creation. Right, everybody? Come on now. Number two. Number two, here's one of the benefits in my life. Giving helps me win the battle of materialism. Now, I don't know if any of you struggle with this, but I can just tell you that's an issue for me. I I grew up with nothing, and I tend to want everything I didn't have. And and so this helps me fight the battle of materialism. Um, see, there's a lie in our culture that says that happiness can be purchased. Matter of fact, I think our slogan ought to be different now. I think our I think our motto has changed to life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. That's what it feels like. It is more. But 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 if I can just get that raise, if I can just get into this next level, if I can just get this house or live in this area or drive this vehicle. But more doesn't make us happy. How many of you have had more? And you can attest to that, right? You see, if that were true, the people with the most would be the most happy in the world. And sometimes the people with the most are the grumpiest people in the world, right? Walk on their lawn and find out. No, um... there's a letter that Timothy writes. Now, let me, let me set this up. Paul is an overseer, like I have overseers. He's the pastor to Timothy, and Timothy is a pastor of a local congregation. And so Paul says to Timothy, hey, I'm listening to all your messages online. Okay, I'm contextualizing. I'm listening to all your messages online, Timothy, and they're great, but I haven't heard you preach yet on finances. So now I paraphrased all that to set up the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy regarding what he ought to be teaching his congregation and is found in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And here's what Paul is telling Timothy to make sure he's teaching his congregation as they mature in the Lord. Watch this. Command those Paul commanding anything doesn't go well in 2022, all right? But anyway, command those who are rich in this present world. I know The word rich through you, so everyone in the room just discounted yourself because we're not rich. But command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It goes on, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. This is Paul telling Timothy, here's what you need to teach your congregation. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. That's packed with a lot of stuff right there. That is just packed. So if you want to be mad, be mad at Paul. Because he's telling us this is what we ought to be teaching people in their spiritual formation as they're growing in Christ. You guys still with me? So basically, let me paraphrase that because I love to break it down to the smallest common denominator, and that's this. Help rich people be good at being rich. And with that being said, all of us are saying, well, he ain't talking to me. However, when people from developing countries talk about rich people, can I tell you what they say about rich people? Here's what they say. I didn't see anybody say amen or nod, but I'm going to tell you anyway, all right? When people in other countries, third world, developing countries, when they talk about rich people, this is how they describe rich people. Rich people own cars. Rich people carry phones that they walk around with. Rich people not only own cars, but some people that are crazy rich have an extra car, (laughs) In fact, rich people, some of the rich people have garages to put their cars in. Some rich people even have two or three or more garages. I'm not making this up. I'm just saying what other people say, all right? Uh, Some of them are so rich that they have closets that you can walk into. Some people are so rich that they have his closets and her closets. And some people are so rich that despite all these closets they can walk into, they still say, I have nothing to wear. You see, if you have an iPhone and a computer and a roof over your head, and you eat more than one meal a day, and you drive a car, you are wealthier than 95% of the rest of the world. So maybe, hey, here's the good news. You came to church poor, and you're leaving rich. Isn't that wonderful, everybody? Everybody. Number three, number three, this is for me Uh, giving. Giving strengthens my faith. It really does. See, last week we talked about this at length, and we talked about how last week in the area of our finances, God uses dollars to test and strengthen our faith. Matter of fact, God said it. God said, Test me in this one area and prove me, right? And so if I heard that verse, and I've never been a contributor, I would say, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a whirl. I'm going to try that out. I'm going to see if your word is true. He says, test me in this. Um, but, however, every promise in Scripture comes with a premise. So let me back that up a little bit. C- because the verse we read in Luke 6 says, give and it shall be given. Remember, order determines outcome. Watch the order. Give first and then it will be given back. I don't like that order. I want him to let me win the lottery, and then I'll tithe on that. How many are with me on that one, right? right. I, I, like, God, could you give it first, and then I'll plant it? But it doesn't work that way. Why not? Because that way doesn't require faith. It requires faith. And God, how many know God doesn't need our money to pay heaven's bills, right? God is interested in our heart and in our faith. Um, let, me, let me say it just a different way. Um, A farmer, we got some farmers in in the house, and a farmer cannot go out to a dirt field and reap a harvest first and bring the harvest in and then say, now I will sow. But that farmer, by faith, has to take that empty ground and take the seed that he could be consuming and take it out by faith and put it into the ground, and then he will reap a harvest, right? That takes faith, everybody. Number four. The fourth way that I believe that uh, generosity is helps me is that giving is an investment for eternity. It really is. I read that verse to you last week out of the Gospels. Um, I heard one preacher one time say, "You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead." <laughs> you know, so uh, well. There's some truth to that you can send it on ahead when you're investing in something. And by the way, you should invest in a house and a roof over your head. And you should invest in a dependable vehicle to get back and forth to work. And you should invest in your kids and your ki- you should invest in all of that. But not to the exclusion of investing in heaven. In other words, Whatever we invest in that has eternal spiritual significance, that's how we invest in heaven. Every time that you give, it is an investment. Jesus said, store for yourselves in heaven. Now, how do we do that? Well, kind of like I just said, but let's go back to Paul talking to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter number 6. Here's what it says. Again, the same thing I just read to you, but this time I'm going to read just that verse in the Living Bible just to kind of maybe see it a different way. Tell them to use their money to do good. So use your money to do good. So when we get our paycheck, I hope you're doing good. You're paying your mortgage, you're paying your rent, you're buying groceries, You're okay, to do good. But they should be rich in good works and should give happily to those in need. Now, time out on that. I would not be a big advocate of us driving by and giving money to every homeless person we pass. But if you're involved in a good church, that church is good soil. Because you don't know what every organization or every person is going to do with that dollar you give them, right? But if you're involved in good soil or a good church that has vetted those things out and has a way to do that, that's why you ought to bring it to the storehouse. So you can sit back and go, Oh, we gave away a thousand pair of shoes. Oh, we gave uh, breakfast out every Saturday morning. Now I'm making sure I'm investing in good soil. If you don't think that this is good soil, then what are you doing here? <laughs> you got to be in a place where there is soil that you can trust. Does that make sense, everybody? Let, you ought to be in a good church that is doing the heavy lifting for you, and we're vetting out systems in how to bl- do good to those that are in need. All right, everybody? Okay. And uh, always being ready to share with others whatever God has uh, given to them. Um, Uh, did I already, yeah, there we go, by doing this, by doing these things, so you say, how do I invest in heaven? By doing these things, uh, they will be storing up real treasure for themselves in heaven. Won't that be cool? You show up to heaven and you got a full bank account, everybody, right? Isn't that wonderful? Okay, Um, and here's one of the things. Radius is going to hit our five-year anniversary in January. And there have been people along the journey that have invested, and they've already gone on to be with Jesus. And I'm not sure that they really got to see the fulfillment of their seed. And I'm wondering, even some of us are going to plant seeds in the ground called radius. And it's going to grow a shade tree that we may never be able to sit under directly ourselves, But maybe your children and your children's children are going to reap the benefits of a group of people being generous. Amen, everybody? Come on and say a good amen to that. All right. Let me give you the the last one on the list, Um, and then i got another short list for you. Okay, everybody? You're not getting out of here that quick. All right. So how does being generous bless me? Well, giving... Uh, blesses me. That's just me. I couldn't get past it. Because every time I talked about giving, I always get blessed more. It might not be directly dollar for dollar. God is not a slot machine. It's not like you're going to give a dollar and you're going to get a dollar back. But it does say give and it shall be given. There are some ways I can't even measure. I don't know. Maybe my furnace lasted five years longer than it was supposed to last. I don't know. All I know is there's a spiritual principle, give and it will be given. I always get more out of it, even if it's not tangible. There's something about my character development that when I'm doing that. Proverbs 22.9 is one of my life mantras and it says this, a generous man will himself be blessed. So I I don't know what you do with that. Either you have to choose today, I'm going to believe the Bible or I'm not. A generous man will himself be blessed. And then it goes on. It says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I'll just tell you, I believe one of the reasons that God is blessing Radius. You might not understand this, but I'm in the church world, and I understand that almost 90% of churches that plant never make it to their five-year anniversary. Come on, somebody. And we're getting ready to purchase a building, remodel a building, move into a building, all without sacrificing all we're doing for people that have never walked in our building. Come on and say amen to that. That, right? Why? It's because this verse is true. It's also because you're in a church that we take the corporate money, 10% of everything that comes in goes back out to bless other good soil, good nonprofit ministries. And so either God's word is true or it's not. A generous man will himself be blessed. A lot of churches closed during COVID. Our church grew during COVID. I'm not bad-mouthing any that didn't, but here's what I'm saying. This verse is either true or it's not. Is anybody out there today? Okay. Um, All right. Um, When Jake was, I think he was around 10 years old. I, we were at the store running an errand one day, and, and when we got to the checkout, how I many know it's all a setup. They put all the good stuff right at the checkout, right? All the things that little short, it's down at their level, right? And, and, and so we were walking through the checkout. I was good. I knew what I was buying. We were ready to go. And he grabbed a, a, a bag of Skittles. And he looked at me, 10 years old, just how sappy that video I just showed you. Same thing, he looked at me, Dad, can I get these? Well, of course you can, my son, because I'm super dad. Dun-da-da-da. They were 59 cents, everybody. So I threw them on the conveyor, and then we, they checked out. And, and Jake's always been kind of a conservative, very uh, frugal-minded, and he just ripped a little tiny corner off off the skittles bag just enough to get one skittle at a time out of the back one not, not, how many are the personality you rip it all open and get as many in your mouth as you can Let me how many of that personality okay a, th- a few of us that need to grow in the spirit self-control all right just all right but jake just tore a little corner one skittle at a time i'm paying i'm still doing my business he's already torn it one skittle at a time and as he's chewing them i'm like Ooh, that smells pretty good uh, them Skittles, man, they smell good. I'd like to have one of those. And we're walking out to the car, and he put one more in his hand, put it in his mouth and eat that one. We got in the car, one more in his mouth. And, and so he was old enough back then. He sat in the front seat, and, 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 and I looked over at him when we got in the car. I said, "Hey, hey, buddy, how about giving your dad some Skittles? He looked at me in sheer terror that he could not even believe that I would have the audacity to ask him for some Skittles. Ten years old, I, come on, dads, how many know what thought came to my mind? I brought you in this world, I'll take you out, boy, right? I'm like, Jake, I just want a couple of Skittles. And he looked at me, and I kid you not, this is the exact word he said, it's tattooed into my brain. He said, Dad, if I give you some, that would be wasting them. <laughs> boy. Carmen's married to him. She knows this story is 100% accurate. Wasting them? What do you mean, wasting them? Now, here's what I thought. I didn't do this, but I thought, I thought, boy, I will go in the store, and I'll buy my own Skittles. I have the 59 cents. I have the resource. I'll go in the store, and I won't only buy one bag of Skittles. I'll come out here with a wheelbarrow full of Skittles, and I'll show you, and then you'll be looking at me going, oh, Dad, can I have one? Huh? I could go in that store and I could buy every Skittle that has ever been made and I could come in here and open them all and pour them on your seat and bury you, boy, in Skittles. I wasn't bitter. (laughs) But I thought about that and I thought, I wonder if that's how I ever am. I know you aren't, but I wonder if that's how I ever am. God provides for me and then I'm selfish and don't want to give back to him. When he owns all the skizzles in the whole world, right, everybody? Before I close, I want to give you just a short list of three more things, and uh, I want to build it out of Second Corinthians chapter number nine. I wanted to do the whole message on this verse, but I just felt like this wasn't the time for that. Uh, but this verse speaks to the fact that you should never let anybody manipulate you. You should never let anybody con you. You should never let anybody do any of that. You give not because the church has to pay a light bill. You give because you love God and you want to be generous back to His work. That's the reason we give. That's the only reason we should give. Now, that doesn't erase the fact that, yes, there are needs, and, yes, the church has to pay for things, but you shouldn't give to pay bills. You should give because you love God. I'll show it to you in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Check it out. Here's what it says. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Okay, it's just a law of the harvest. God's not like keeping track of who's doing what. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. Okay? It's just a law of the harvest. If you put one kernel of corn in the ground, it's going to grow a corn stalk, and one ear of corn usually averages 400 kernels on it. Think about that. So if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. It's just the law of the harvest, okay? This is not about uh, that kind of thing. It's more about attitude. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously because a generous man will prosper. Watch this. Each man, here's the part I want you to see. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart, what you've decided. This is a between you and God thing. What he's decided in his heart to give not reluctantly, not mad about it. Look, if you're giving and you're like, ah, forget it, just, just don't. Because the Bible says not reluctantly or under compulsion. That's another way of saying or under manipulation or pressure. Okay, anybody ever been in one of them high pressure things situations? Right. For God loves. Watch this. A cheerful giver. He wants you to be happy about it. Okay, uh, and it goes on. Uh, I think I got a little bit more there. Uh, yeah. And God is able to make, watch what he's able to do. He's able to make all grace, by the way, grace is favor. He's able to make all grace abound to you so that in, watch the word all. So all grace, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. There's a lot of alls in there. Now, he who supplied seed to the sower, watch this. It's God that supplies the skittles. He supplies the seed, but he wants to see what you do with the seed. He doesn't supply seed to the stingy. He doesn't supply seed to the one that hoards it. He supplies seed to the one that sows it. Uh, okay, it's it's the Bible, everyone. Quit mean mugging me, all right? Here we go. So he uh, now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your stores of seed and will enlarge the harvest of uh, of your righteousness. Uh, I think I still got a little more. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Here's the misunderstanding. That God will give to us, and then if we're making sure that we're being generous, then he continues to give seed to the sower. See, what happens is we give, and, and then God gives back, and sometimes that's where it ends. But he will continue to give if we continue to be generous. Come on. Radius Church for five years has grown financially every year, and every year we have given more and more away because he gives seed, come on, to the sower, everybody. Right? All right. And by the way, you want to be a part of a church that is doing what it's preaching for us to do individually. Thank you for the amens. Okay. Sorry. Uh, So that you can be generous on every occasion, okay? Yeah, we've been feeding the homeless. Our next step, we're trying to actually buy a building to warehouse all this stuff and to bring them to to have a place for emergencies, for food, and all that because we're going to continue not to do less but continue to do more, all right? And and, And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Okay, there's a lot there. But let me just pull out a couple things in the last five minutes I have. Uh, three ways to get the most out of your giving. So, come on. If you're deciding, okay, I'm going to be a giver. And you can decide to be a giver in more areas than just finances. You can be, decide to be a giver in your generosity, in your love, and your compliments, and your encouragement, and your forgiveness. Right, everybody? Okay. So, But three ways to get the most out of your giving. Let me give you three real quick. Number one is that we ought to give generously. Um, and, and generously doesn't mean lavishly like everything I own. Gener- generosity is about our heart attitude. Um, I won't go into all this verse, but Second Corinthians, Paul is at one church and he's preaching at the church of Corinth, and he's talking about what the church in Macedonia had done, even though they were in, uh, they, they were in a financial downturn and and Paul's telling this church he said man the last church I was out they begged to be a part of giving to the missionary work or to the work of Jesus Christ. They gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. This was all about an offering. You can go read it later, okay? So, number one, if I'm going to get the most out of giving, I should give generously. Again, this is about an attitude. It's not so much about an amount. Number two is I ought to give willingly. In other words, nobody ought to twist your arm. Nobody ought to get up here and say, you know, I'm just, we're not going to be able to buy a building Whew, your, your kids aren't going to have a scrap paper to color on back in the children's room and, you, you know, they're, they're never going to love Jesus if you don't, don't ever put yourself in the kind of ministry that is, that is manipulating you to do that. It ought, it's you, your willingness, not my ability to talk you out of your money. Come on. Do you appreciate that today, everyone? Give willingly. Giving, again, I'm going to say it again. Giving is a matter of willingness. It's not a matter of wealth. It's not a matter of amount. It's an attitude, not an amount. It's a willingness that makes the difference. Let me reread that verse. It says, each should give what he has decided in his own heart. So let me just clear things up. God is not into pressure giving. So if you ever feel pressured to give, that's not God. And that's not my heart either. And please, uh, listen, please don't give under pressure at all. If God is speaking to you, obey what he is saying. Step out in faith and obey what he is saying. If he's not saying anything to you, then do nothing. Unless he really is saying something to you, but the other noises are too loud and you're ignoring because you're afraid what he's asking. Just a little side note. Okay, back on track. We had a Kingdom Builders meeting here about three weeks ago on a Friday night where some people gathered together and I shared some of the vision about the building and I made this statement. I said, what I wanted to do, we've been working really hard since the day we were birthed to save the money so that when God opened the door, we'd be able to have stewarded your already giving in a way that we'd never have to ask you to raise the money to purchase a building. And so I made this statement. I said, I never even wanted to talk about it. I just wanted to hold up the keys and say, look what we got. And then a husband and wife came up to me afterwards, and the lady spoke. And she said, Pastor, I appreciate your heart on that. But if you wouldn't let us know about it, then we wouldn't have got a chance to use our faith and celebrate at the same level that you get to celebrate. And I took off my mic and handed it to her and said, You should be the pastor of the church because it was profound. And while we have stewarded your finances, I believe, very well, um, we've given away more than 10% every year. We've saved more than 20% every year, and we're in this position that we're in now to purchase. Well, we've already got a purchase agreement on this building, and, and uh, we're just waiting for our due diligence to happen. But my, my, but my point is that you have to give willingly. This is not a, this is not a building campaign. We've not made you fill a a pledge out. There's not a big thermometer on the wall, and every week, like, "Uh uh-oh, man, we're not doing good this week. Man, it sucks to be in church today, right? No, we're not doing any of that, because either God has the ability to speak to you, or He doesn't, and either you're wanting to listen, or you don't, and there is no amount of cartwheels I can do to convince you to do something if God's already spoken to you, and you're not listening to God. What makes me think you're going to listen to me? Right, everyone? Come on. One more time. I know this is elementary for some, but God's not after our money because he doesn't really need it, but he is after our hearts, and sometimes that money is the key to that. Let me give you the last point, and I'm out of your way. Give joyfully. Now, I'm going to say some really strong things right here that maybe you've never heard in a church setting before. I don't know. But if you can't give joyfully, please don't give. I mean that. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to lay a guilt trip on anybody. I care so much about your joy in the journey and your spiritual journey that if this message on finances If it hinders you, if it stumbles, if if you get mad at me for talking about finances to the point that it causes your spiritual journey to stumble, then I'm begging you, ignore this message, stay on the journey, and God can deal with you on that subject when it's time for him to deal with you on that subject. Amen, everybody? Come on, are you hearing that today? Because remember, verse number seven said, God loves a cheerful giver. Come on, I want you to be happy. Have you ever been to a church where all the saints aren't happy? Man, that stinks. Uh, well, time to go to church. No, everybody looked like they've been sucking on lemons the whole week, and let's worship God, right? No, I want this to be a joyful, growing, life-giving, healthy atmosphere. Come on. And so I mean that with all my heart. If you're mad at me for preaching on many, please don't give. We don't know. We're not tracking you down. We don't have private investigators going, oh, he did, he did, not he did. When I say I want 100% of people to participate, we don't even have a way of tracking that, everybody. So, Shazam, you just got let off the hook we don't know if you are or you're not we're we're not trying to track it that way don't let this message hinder you don't let it stop your journey stay in joy stay on the journey give me the benefit of the doubt of having an off sermon all right everyone there's no condemnation because we live in grace i'm going to end it right there i'm going to end with this statement remember it's not about your giving that matters the most It's about God's giving that matters the most. And if we don't have that, (laughs) we don't even have the opportunity to give. And God so loved the world that he gave. Amen. Would you stand with me all over this place?